0: Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friends, Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Richard and Michael, they enjoy debating the Mount Rushmore of any given topic, and they are usually at odds with each other. But this episode, they are joining forces. They're going up against our guest, who is the voice of the Venganza Media Conglomerate. Uh, This is an organization that's been around since uh, 2005, putting out thousands of hours of entertainment to listeners with a whole fleet of contributors, a premier source for film reviews, celebrity interviews, and collecting news for audiences of all ages. They've got the podcasts that you probably know about, not just books and nachos, Star Wars action news, marvelous Toys, but the Empire, the media um, titan this is the now playing podcast that's been around for quite a long time. And our guest is the voice of said enterprise. Uh, please welcome to oppose our, uh, our as rival, our, our host here on a topic that will soon be announced. Please welcome Brock. How are you doing, Brock?
1: Um, I'm very well. I'm very happy. What an incredible introduction. Uh, thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. I've listened to your show, and I have to tell you, I love the format. The idea of uh, Mount Rushmore, of this or that, is uh, a wonderful idea. And when I heard about this and you guys sent the invitation, I'm like, this is something I can get behind. So uh, hey, congratulations awesome. to you on your wonderful podcast.
0: Oh, thanks so much. No you know, this is going to go out uh listeners will be listening to this uh at the first uh possible moment this coming thursday is there anything happening on the now playing podcast kind of in the moment that you would like to uh let people know about that they can avail themselves of or join in or contribute to or support
1: well i'm glad you asked we got so much going on right now so uh we have of course on the, every week we have a free show for everyone on our feed at nowplayingpodcast.com and our, on itunes and on Podbean, of course, and this week, and this past week, on this is Thursday, right? So Tuesday we released *Escape from L.A.*, the *Snake Plissken* sequel, and this coming Tuesday on the feed will be Now Playing's 1,000th show. That is an amazing milestone Oops, for us, great. unbelievable. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But I'm not going to tell you what the title is. You're going to have to listen to find out. It's a special secret kind of thing, and I'm not going to tell you what it is, and I'm not going to tell you who's on the show.
0: <laughs> okay it's an anti-plug it's a promo without uh, uh it's a teaser it's a teaser yeah it's
1: a bit of a teaser because it's a thousand shows it's a very special moment for us now playing a thousand shows for any podcast as you guys know is just a feat that's um, killer
0: congratulations
1: it's amazing and in addition to escape from la uh on tomorrow friday we have our next live um, now playing summer sh- uh, sh- movie series we're just watching movies with our fans live over the internet And that is going to be Blood Rage. We did Willy Wonka last time. We did Godzilla 98 the time before. Blood Rage. That's our next one. And that's going to be a lot of fun. In addition, we also have the Candyman series. as our sober level donation going on right now. We have different donation series for people who want to support our show. We are completely uh, fan-driven, fan-supported, excuse me. So um, if you go to our nowplayingpodcast.com and you go to our subscriber support links, you can find out how you get special podcasts. Uh, for your donations. We greatly appreciate that. So Candyman is there and I'll be on Sleepaway Camp for our Platinum Series uh, later in the summer.
0: Right on. Everybody go to nowplayingpodcast.com to support these guys. And uh, also while you're at it, go to their social sites. You can uh, get into the dialogue with these guys by following them out on Facebook and out on Twitter on Facebook, Playing nowplayingpodcast on Twitter, Pod. They've got a YouTube. They've got uh, all kinds of things. You can find that on their site. So we might as well jump into the topic. Pardon me.
1: Instagram, too.
0: Ah, Instagram. Awesome. So uh, Now Playing Podcast has, for many years, specialized in reviewing and discussing and celebrating a series. Well, we're not that ambitious here on the Mount Rushmore Podcast. We're going to bite off just a little bit less, but a little more than one film, and we're going to debate... Today, the Mount Rushmore of trilogies. Brock, please regale us and avail us with your first choice for the Mount Rushmore of trilogies.
1: You know, at Now Playing, as you said, we do full series. So we watch every single episode of every series. So, for example, uh, we started off doing that format with Friday the 13th. We watched every all 12 movies uh, one episode at a time. Star Trek, Terminator, Marvel movies, you name it. We do it. That's how we do it over at Now Playing. And so uh, when I was thinking about this, it occurred to me that my first pick is honestly my our first two picks are probably going to be the same whether or not they're going to be in the same order we will find out but my guess is our first two picks will be exactly the same and if i'm wrong i'll tell you (laughs) i I will will cop to it but my guess is our first two picks will be the same third is possible fourth it's, it's who knows but i do think the first two and um, my first pick is one we haven't done now playing because it's an underrepresented trilogy. I think if we're doing the Mount Rushmore of trilogies, uh, we have to go with the Naked Gun franchise. Oh, that is the funniest nice. uh, franchise in the world and I am completely kidding. If you go with now if you go with the first first head <laughs> on Mount Rushmore being the Naked I was going to say Legally Blonde but the third <laughs> one the video and that's not even fair, you know. Right. Um, but no obviously uh, it can't be Naked Gun although it's a fun fun pick. But a Mount Rushmore, yeah, I would have to go, of course, uh, with the Star Wars trilogy. Now, the original Star Wars trilogy, the saga, the saga, the one yeah. that Kevin Smith, of course, called the Holy Trilogy in Mallrats and blah, 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 the the, the penulti, the the ultimate, not penultimate, the ultimate uh, <laughs> trilogy. Now, of course, yes, I am involved with Star Wars Action News. That is another podcast that Vinganza Media does, how I met Arnie and company to do now playing. And that is the first uh, Star Wars collector's podcast. So, am I biased? Possibly, but here's the thing. (laughs) Here's the thing. Um, Star Wars changed movies forever. Jaws was the first blockbuster. Star Wars was the first juggernaut. It changed pop culture. It changed movies. It changed special effects. It changed how people viewed popular, uh, viewed the movies and what it was for and how it was done. It did not make uh, sequels up to that point were viewed upon as lesser than, right? The, you name a sequel before then, it was always considered bad. And then Empire Strikes Back comes along and blows the doors off the joint. Uh, so even with the third movie being weaker than the Empire Strikes Back and arguably the first movie, it's still a, a darn great movie. It's still a lot of fun. And it satisfyingly ends up the, ends up, uh, the, the trilogy. One more thing I want to bring up on why I'm justifying Star Wars as my first pick because I, it, if as if, if I have to, um, <laughs> the, the, the Star Wars trilogy is a trilogy into itself. There are two other trilogies in Star Wars, we both know that. All, all three of us know that. But that first trilogy is, I think, uh, the best formed, even though the third movie, of course, if you've read the history on it, you know how it changed and the original plan changed, blah blah blah. But the way they ended it was very satisfying for most people. And it finishes Luke Skywalker's story great. His arc is complete in that movie. So um, when I think of trilogies, I that is a, something that really means a lot to me uh, in h- how the trilogy works together among itself. And I think Star Wars, the original Star Wars trilogy, does that better than practically any trilogy out there.
0: All right, well-spoken. And that's a, it's a great way to kick it off. And that's a great approach and another angle than I... Uh, then, you know, we've discussed the trilogy on this podcast and nearly every podcast we find some way to work it and you could be talking <laughs> about wrestling or fondue or, or, you know, salad forks and we worked Star Wars in. Uh,
2: yeah, then Bib Fortuna comes off the top rope and you're just like, okay, we got it. <laughs> totally. Mike, Michael and Richard, uh, was
0: the Star Wars trilogy or the Skywalker uh, saga or the, the, the original saga in your choices? I, th-
2: I think... In, in my head, it was – and then I started connecting it to – when I just started thinking of a set of three movies, I think I started putting it within a set of six movies and then a set of nine movies, and then I started rejustifying it. Well, is this one specific thing? Because I started thinking about movies that have had trilogies, and then they added a fourth one or a movie that – Yeah. Um, Really, kind of ruined themselves because they added more. And I'm not saying the pre Crystal Skull. It. Crystal Skull. Yes. Just say, yes, yes just say exactly. Crystal right. Skull. Yes, Crystal <laughs>
1: Skull. We, we, um, that I mean makes that in person, though, because the more it say that name, the more it actually makes it real. So. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but I. Don't, but th- that's the thing. Like the idea of uh, uh, Indiana Jones not being a trilogy is is fine for me because I, I I personally don't care. I, um, like, but Star Wars has always been a part of something bigger. And it's for me, they're like like you said, there's these there's these three individual trilogies within a bigger uh I don't even know what the a nine (laughs) part would be called. Nonology, yeah. Nonology, thank you. But like so like, you know, and I think you kind of alluded to it. George Lucas has kind of had like these just shifting um, views and a shifting history on how many parts the series was going to be and how many what his ideas have always changed and like um i don't know i i think because of that i think i eliminated ah. being like i don't know i don't know how many how many parts this thing actually is oh good it's going to be, gonna be out of your
0: question you're questioning yeah. of how many how many star wars is there really were it's
2: it's okay. currently nine movies in this one story but it's also 11 movies and it's also just three movies or sometimes I just watch star Wars because it's just one particular movie. Right. And it's you know, George people... Lucas always, t- it's George Lucas always talked about star Wars being like the last part and then two other movies that were going to come before that one that told the, the history of the clone wars and whatever. And so it's like, whatever it is, whatever star Wars is, it's this, thing that is so it's like this blob that is just changing constantly (laughs) and who knows what it's going to be like in 20 years how many more trilogies there are or is it going to end with 14 movies and you're just gonna be like okay star wars was a 14 movie thing i i just don't i just don't know and for that i kind of just initially Eliminated. Also, uh, Richard hates Star Wars, so like
3: I oh. you know,
2: we're hey. never gonna agree.
1: Hey, wait a second.
2: So
0: Brock, you were trying to interject, uh was it regards
1: oh, I, well first of all there's twelve movies because that terrible clones were movies that came out, but you know, like who cares? So right. let me get this straight. Just let me get this straight here. You are eliminating the original Star Wars trilogy based on that that self-contained trilogy is not is part of a bigger trilogy, part of a bigger saga and therefore no longer a trilogy.
2: I think it I think for me personally and I we literally Richard and I didn't have this discussion it was just like there's too much to talk about as it just being a trilogy because I don't know there's maybe it's just the baggage maybe there's just like my entire lifetime of baggage with these three movies. Wow. And like I don't know I was thinking
3: how many times did Star Wars hurt you,
1: Michael?
2: <laughs> Never. Show us on in the snap. door. To
3: what
1: be are honest do? with you, uh, in this day and age of reboots and sequels and blah, 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 yeah. um, it, very few trilogies are staying as trilogies. In fact, Naked Gun might actually make the list if, if that was true. Uh, but the fact of the matter is uh, even The Matrix is getting a fourth one right? So I know. God yeah. forbid the, the two of you pick the Matrix for the Mount Rushmore <laughs> trilogy and instead, we could talk about that later.
2: All right, dudes, challenge. The gauntlet has been well, thrown. Well, Richard, I've been talking for like infinity years. Would you like to start with, with one of our choices?
3: Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm going to go with our first choice. And I have this as an, a rare example of a uh, a trilogy where maybe even three movies would weren't enough. And I'm talking about the Lord of the Rings trilogy.
0: Oh, right on.
3: Um, for my, I, I have a little bit of a personal reason for this. I'm currently reading through the Lord of the Rings books with my children. That's been their bedtime story at night. And as we're going through, and we just finished not too long ago reading uh, the first book, and I was reminded by about all of the different pieces and parts of the of the book. That didn't make it into the movie, not even stuff that was in the director's cut or the extended cut or all the various extra versions that have come out. You know, like Tom Bombadil is this amazing, great little character that that is that is in the book for a fairly decent amount of time, and he's nowhere to be seen in the in the movies. Um, I think that Peter Jackson had a herculean task to try and figure out. How do you take this incredibly dense and plot-heavy story and be able to turn it into one movie per book? And I think, unlike The Hobbit, he made all of the right, pretty much all of the right decisions with the Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy. uh, Forgetting maybe the fact that Return of the King probably could have cut about twenty minutes off at the end and been fine. Other than that, other than that, I think he made a lot of really smart choices with what he did include and what he didn't include. And I think, again, I think one of the issues with the trilogy is why are we doing three of these? You know, why is three, this sort of, you know, three is the magic number, right? Why are we doing three of them? And I think in this case, this is an example of three was pretty much the exact perfect number. Um, And if anything, it felt like it was, you know, you could have had at least another, another movie out of it. I'm sure. Looking back on it, how much money these movies made, I'm sure the studios would have loved to have another one, which is why we wound up with the Hobbit trilogy.
1: Now, um, can I throw a flag on the play, or is that Jeff? Oh job? yeah,
0: <laughs> lay it on us. Yeah. No, <laughs> you can <laughs> you could play with
1: for ten minutes of somebody saying, you know, there's one trilogy, then another trilogy, then another trilogy. So Star Wars is disqualified because it's a gigantic thing. It's not really. Um, you just said it in your own thing that there's a Hobbit trilogy because uh, they basically wanted the money and so what they did was they made not only one movie but not only two movies but three movies of the hobbit and they had some of the same actors come back and re redo their parts from the first trilogy therefore connecting the two trilogies and therefore everything you just said about star wars is negated by lord <laughs> of the rings
3: <laughs> to, to be fair to be fair that was everything that michael said <laughs>
1: about star wars
0: yeah so, so way to sell um, out your partner there uh, I would also this
2: this is, this is why we're usually like arguing between the two of us. This is how <laughs> I I will tell you this about uh, my son is 3 years old. Just turned 3 within this whole um COVID-19 crisis. Um just yesterday we watched the first hour of The Empire Strikes Back which he's never seen and it was the most beautiful thing that has ever happened in my life. Like I thought watching <laughs> Star Wars with him was great, but the anticipation for him watching a part of Empire, which he's only seen through images on like playing cards. Yeah. It was, it yeah. was, he was just like, that's an ad at He's like, the, are the stormtroopers in there? I was like, yes. He's like, that's a tauntaun. I was like, yes, yes, it is the tauntaun.
1: <laughs> I had I,
2: he's amazing. never, he's never heard Yoda and then he saw Yoda speak and it was just, it was the most beautiful thing. Um, I, I honestly, the probably the reason why, um, we didn't choose Star Wars because we've mentioned Star Wars on every other podcast we've ever <laughs> we've ever mentioned. It has been such a cultural. It is such it is this thing that is embedded in my life in in every fiber of my being that like at some point I just don't want, I just don't want to talk about yeah. it as important as it is. But in, it. in regards in regards to like connecting the two Lord of the Rings, um, trilogies, um, they're very even though they're made with some of the same actors or a lot of the same actors, they feel like so very different vehicles. Like I think that the Amazon Lord of the Rings series is going to feel so different from the Hobbit and um, Lord of the Rings. I remember seeing Lord of the Rings in the theaters for the first time, just the first one, the fellowship of the ring. And I hadn't read the books and I remember getting to the end of it and being like, they didn't, they didn't even confront, soar like i need to know what's going on next like i mm-hmm. like because i hadn't read it i had this like such a visceral like oh i they got to the end they didn't really fight the bad guy they fight some some weird gargoyle looking dudes that are running down a hill
0: brock were you gonna say but, you I, got I, to introduce uh um star wars to a younger relative
1: i, I don't worry about it I, oh I, I thought he was done talking, so I was going to interject, but I had a very similar thing. My son was obsessed with TIE Fighter Pilot. And so when we actually Mm -hmm. had a bobblehead of TIE Fighter Pilot, so when he was like four or five, instead of showing the kids the movies, what I did was I showed them scenes. I showed them the speeder bike chase. I showed them the asteroid field. I showed them um, so when when those parts of the movie came up or we watched the movie from full, they would have that uh, uh, anticipating it coming. We learned that by playing Scene It, the game Scene It on the DVD, right? So, like, when we were watching The Incredibles, they were waiting for that scene with Dash running across the water, and that helped them get through the boring talky parts, because, as we both <laughs> know, although The Empire Strikes Back is wonderful, it does have a lot of talking scenes for a five-year-old kid. So, when we're watching the asteroid scene, or um, uh, whatever, you know, the TIE fighter pilots, or the, the trench run, there's TIE fighter pilot, there's TIE fighter pilot! It was the coolest thing, so I know exactly what Mike was
2: talking You know, this was Richard's choice. We kind of go back and forth on what we want to do, but... When he suggested this, it was like, yeah, this is – they really did the best part of adapting three books into three movies, even though it's all kind of mixed up.
0: Yeah, and sticking uh, Christopher Lee in both of the Star Wars saga (laughs) and the Lord of the Rings as a – Well, if we
2: we can – that brings me up to a point that I really wanted to get into, was if we could add a third movie to a a series of films that only has two – get Christopher, get a reanimated Christopher Lee into Gremlins 3.
0: Because <laughs> they've only had take, two
2: of them. i take. Uh, There's all only right. two Gremlins. That would have benefited by a Gremlins uh, 3 for sure.
0: Let me tell you all what you're going to get when you go to Now Playing Podcast. Uh, I listened to the uh, Escape from New York episode. And in addition to getting uh, a summary of the uh, movie, uh, you get guys talking about This series of films and where a film falls in that series, what the world was like, then what was going on, then Um, uh, Kurt Russell, as we know as Snake Plissken, uh, was a he was a Disney kid to uh, to many uh, viewers when they first heard that he was going to be in this Escape from New York. Um, so it was—it's real fun to hear these guys chatter about it. The only thing I was disappointed in is I listened to the just recently dropped *Escape from L.A.* podcast, and I was disappointed that it wasn't a an instruction manual because uh, Richard, Michael, and I live in Los Angeles right now, and it is a hellscape. It's a hot, sweaty, uh, protest-ridden hellscape. So uh, this gave that. us. This gave us zero instructions.
1: <laughs> that's a good. That's a good bonus tip. Uh, maybe we can uh, do that for the special edition of the Escape from LA podcast. Yeah. Patron exclusive: How to get out of LA.
0: How to get out of LA. Get out of LA. Yeah. yeah. Get, get on the 101. Okay. Uh, <laughs> So, gentlemen, we've each uh, started off with our first choices and we'll speed things up a little bit on the uh, ensuing ones. It's my fault. I'm dragging it out. So, Brock, what is your second choice of the Mount Rushmore Trilogies? Uh,
1: this will help speed it up a little bit. My second choice is Lord of the Rings. So, here uh, me... we go. I'm after after, you, you, guys after, you, after
3: <laughs> you ripped into me oh, that you,
1: yeah. Justifiably, because you just went against your own logic. But it's okay, <laughs> my logic is, um, and very similar to yours, um, Lord of the Rings the movie trilogy uh, had the advantage of not only being based on a trilogy of books, but filmed all at once, right? Whereas Star Wars did not have that advantage. Pirates of the Caribbean did not have that advantage. Back to the Future did not have that advantage. It was not conceived as a trilogy. It was conceived as a single movie, and then go on from there. Even though George Lucas says he had a big story in time, he had to make one movie first, right? But Lord of the Rings went into it knowing they're going to make three movies, even though I didn't hear about that two thing before. I always thought they're going to make three. So um I also did not read the books until seeing the movie. So I read the first book, saw the first movie. So I read the second book, saw the second movie, did not read the third book because, as Mike said, I wanted to be surprised. I wanted to know what happens, but I wanted to enjoy mm-hmm. it on the mm-hmm. screen. And I was that guy on the ride home, way before internet memes were a thing, complaining to my now brothers-in-laws, who are huge Lord of the Rings fans, wait a minute, these giant birds were an option this entire time? It right, yeah. <laughs> <Right. laughs> really pissed me off because um, the last thing these movies needed to be or have was extended editions. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't understand why they're, why we're watching them longer. Um, I am not a huge Lord of the Rings movie fan. I, I've seen these movies in full twice each. I rewatched them a couple of years ago. and um, But I cannot deny how this definitely belongs in the Mount Rushmore of film trilogies. The It was conceived It was executed flawlessly that they took the subject matter seriously, the acting, the directing, the cinematography, the visual effects, except for that third movie that had a couple of dodgy things, and that third one was like the uh, Legolas doing that Fred Flintstone down the trunk of the elephant thing, and I'm not a big fan of of Ents. I don't like walking and talking trees, especially if they sound like Gimli. Calling it out, <laughs> calling right, it man. out. Uh, so, um, uh, so look, Lord of the Rings. Um, also, uh, am I wrong? I'm not wrong because not only do audiences love these movies, but critics love these movies. And even though Star Wars is my first choice, some critics don't like Star Wars. And uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, Return of the King, uh, not only won 11 Academy Awards, it was nominated for 11 Academy Awards. It won like what? I think it was like um, 17 total for the whole series. Um, and like like uh, Star Wars, uh, Ian McKellen was the only actor nomination, and actors didn't win. It wasn't about the acting, but it was about the acting. Can you imagine anyone else doing these roles besides Elijah Wood? Besides, for goodness sake, Sean, Sean Astin came out of left field and kicked it out of the park, man. With yeah. Sam, I mean, right. it's amazing. So um, this is an absolutely amazing trilogy of movies, even though it's something I don't return to very much. Um, it, it's undeniable that if you're talking about film trilogies, you have got to accept the Lord of the Rings as one of the ones on the Mount Rushmore of uh, film trilogies.
0: Agreed, totally agreed. Compassionate arguments for LOTR from both both uh, sides of the uh, the playing field here. So uh, why don't we go on to Richard and Michael's second choice?
2: So our second choice is, you mentioned it um, just in your and. Uh, uh, in- what you said, Brock was uh back to the future, which is one of those films that started out as a singular, perfect film, like from start to finish, the first back to the future is so well done, and then they realized we can expand on this. you know when it first came out, it didn't have the to be continued sort of uh Chiron added at the end. I think that was added on in like the v h s copies when she started renting it in like 1986 after it came out. Um, they decided, oh, we can do a lot more with this time travel thing. And what I like about the Back to the Future trilogy is they're all so different. Like they have the same the same concepts, but they're all um, vastly different. The first one is, you know, a 1950s period piece. The second one is this mix of modern day sci-fi uh, reshuffling the board going back to the 50s going back to current 80s like there's so much going on in that when they re- when they're imagining what the future is going to be just 30 years ahead of time and then having to deal with all of the repercussions in spite of all the, the dodgy time travelingness of it like it stops it starts it stops making sense when biff initially comes back from giving the uh, almanac, the almanac to like, he comes back to the current, future. what was pr- the present future, even though everything should have been changed. the sec- Like the movie break falls apart in terms of like space time continuum and all that. But then you get to the third film and it's this Western and like, who could have imagined that they would have done all this. Cra- like it's so wild. And I love that. What was interesting is from the first movie, it was a complete story. The second movie, they started thinking, okay, we're writing two movies. So they have to lay all this foundation. They have to build all this stuff into this movie to pay off in the third movie. So a lot of like the Marty McFly being called chicken has to be paid off, has to be called out and set up in movie number two. It doesn't happen in the first movie. Uh, a lot of these little things, they just start laying these little Easter eggs and callbacks and whatnot in the second movie to set up a third movie. And I think you'll see that. Uh, I know on one of my choices, it kind of happens more and more. Or companies and production houses and filmmakers start being more conscious of what's going to happen in the future. I mean, it's back. pardon the pun, but like <laughs> they literally start thinking – what do we have to do in movie number two that's gonna set up in movie number three? And maybe movie number four? I mean, who knows what's gonna happen in this this next series, this next Matrix movie, or these fucking Avatar movies that are gonna go for five movies. I, I literally don't need to see another Avatar movie, but I kinda wanna see it. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know I don't know why, but I kind of I want to see it but in
1: the theater. The though, same, I can't imagine why I yeah. watch Avatar at home anyway. Yeah. I yeah. The
2: Disney streaming has been like trying to push Avatar on me for the last nine months and have been like, I'm not watching, I'm not mm. watching you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but like back to the future, they did such a good job of like understanding at some point that they were going to create a trilogy. And then, you know, they finally got to the end point. And even at the end of the third movie, they're like, like I can kind of travel through time so maybe you're going to jump on doc brown's locomotive and fly off into the future or the past mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. but i don't know i think they just i think when you're thinking of trilogies and they did a really good job of the kind of sowing the seeds and paying off the stuff you'd seen and i think that's hard to i think that's hard to do at the same time creating very, three very different movies with the same sort of theme
1: I very much enjoy Back to the Future. I was the fan on that podcast series. We did that back in 2010 on Now Playing. You can find it in the archive section. Plug. And in, in that trilogy, I was the fan. I'm a huge fan. I've watched these movies dozens and dozens of times, unlike Lord of the Rings, of which I put on my Mount Rushmore, and I've only watched it twice. But I watched Back to the Future time and time again. I love all the connections you're talking about. For example, in Back to the Future 3, you'll notice when they're looking at the train for the first time, Doc and Marty, you can see Clara with her back on the train platform, back to them in the background. I didn't notice that until like my 10th time watching this movie. It's Those are so much fun movies. The reason it's not on my Mount Rushmore podcast are all the reasons, of, of, sorry, of Mount Rushmore of film trilogies, even though I'm a huge fan of it, is even as the fan I'm now playing, I could not recommend film number two for all the reasons you already pointed out. Hmm. The, the hmm. movie is basically exists to set up number three. Number three is a fantastically fun, great That's movie. Interesting. Number two, is a, what what an amazing opportunity they had and i love that it did it you can go back into the first movie and show it from a different angle how many movies have an opportunity to do that it was fantastic what a great idea but that first part of the movie with um the future what you pointed out about biff and that entire conceit and then the the very depressing 1985 alternate um and then once they get back to 1955 it's a lot of fun but i think he took his wallet And all that shenanigans with him trying to reach the, uh, for the, for the, uh, it can slapstick. So for me, I have a lot of trouble with number two as a critic, as a now playing critic, as a, uh, but I love that trilogy. I enjoy it very much, but my complaints with number two kept it off my Mount Rushmore. Um, and I had a feeling that might come up. I also want to call it out now, Jeff, that I was wrong. Our first two were not the same. Um, but, uh, I, I am surprised. I'm very happy you picked Back <laughs> to the Future, but it will not be on my mouth much more.
2: Okay, all right. Uh, well, uh, I would like to change. I would like to change yeah. our number two to the Oh God series of films. <laughs> of course, Oh God, Oh God, <laughs> book two, and Oh God, you devil. So um, instead of Back to the Future, we're just going to go with a uh, you know George Burns.
0: The the straight to video, What You Talking About, God, starring Gary Coleman. Gary Coleman. (laughs) While I plug the Mount Rushmore podcast, uh, opportunity that listeners have to go out to our social handles and get in a dialogue with us, the hosts of the Mount Rushmore podcast. You can do that by going to Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Uh, Just Google Mount Rushmore Podcast and you'll find those social platforms and give us your suggestion for a topic. Past listeners and suggestors have ended up being on the show as participants just because they went out and said hey you should do the mount rushmore of this or that alternately you could get on there and let us know an opportunity missed what was an example of a category that we chose that uh, we just skimmed over it should have not been so dumb dumb that uh, we didn't think of it uh you could also do us a huge solid uh download rate and review past episodes And that is the best way that other audience members can find it like you have. So we'd appreciate that. Now, I want to ask you to go out to nowplayingpodcast.com and just click on the site. It's feature-rich. I mean, this thing has an archive of all the past episodes. It's got links to their other podcasts. It's got a forum uh, where uh, listeners can chat about the uh, different episodes, the different series. It's even got a Cafe Press store. So go out and do that. And if you don't do that, go to Facebook, Now Playing Podcast, Twitter, Now Playing Pod, or Instagram. Is it Now Playing Pod, Instagram?
1: Now Playing Pod, yes.
0: Okay, cool. Okay, so we've gone through our halftime, and I've challenged these guys to uh, formulate their review uh, for the trilogy, the Bill and Ted trilogy, capped off by Bill and Ted Face the Music. Michael, I know you're a fan of the Wild Stallions and Bill and Ted. What is your review of this final movie?
2: Uh, I am uh, so nervously excited for this, mostly because I have no idea when the next time I'll ever see a movie again in the theater is. But um, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is such a breath of fresh air in the same way that Gremlins 2 is such a breath of fresh air. Or yeah. it's, it's one of those movies that it feels so different but has so much of the same connective tissue that I'm so excited to see what they're going to do with this third movie, especially now that Keanu Reeves is just like the darling of uh, the media world. Again, like, I don't know if he ever really fell out. Like no one has ever disliked Keanu Reeves, but now he's like, oh my goodness, this guy, he can do everything. He is,
3: he is, he's reached Dave Grohl levels of ubiquity. He really
2: has. Yeah. He is the Dave (laughs) Grohl. Peak coolness. Yeah. Peak, cool and just like he does amazing action movies and has always done amazing action movies and he's like this weird comedy guy that does really and he plays dumb really well so i want to see what i want to see who ted is 25 years on and i'm a little frightened that they're gonna fuck it up because they're gonna fuck up everything but at the same time like i don't know they got all the sa- they got the same people back so there's just i think the nostalgia thing is 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 the there, I watched the the trailer that came out last week, and it was just like, okay, I love the idea that these are like they're like forty something year old losers that still haven't gotten their shit together, and like as a forty two year old, I'm like, man, that is That's this might be point. my movie, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or no.
0: So uh, all right, uh, what do you what's your look uh, outlook on it, uh, Brock?
2: I'm
1: very excited about it, actually. Uh, sometimes when they have reboots or they Bring back uh, uh, old dormant franchises. Uh, you don't want that. But um, after Excellent Adventure still holds up. It's a really fun movie. And actually, we have Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey in the now playing book uh, Underrated Movies. We recommend, which is a book our team wrote. Uh, I didn't participate in that, uh, but uh, my other co-hosts did, and you can find it because it's an underrated movie that everyone should should watch. I agree yeah. with Mike completely. It's really really fun, and. Uh, you can get that book. You can go to our now playing Patreon, blah, blah, blah. You can, a little more plugs. The point is that yeah. i completely on board with that choice. It's great. I also am a huge fan of Gremlins 2, by the way, and of all the reboots in the world. Why haven't they done a Gremlin oh, 3 CGI yeah. Gremlins? What, what are they waiting for? I don't understand it. So anyway, maybe Bill who's the
2: one. Who's the one that goes out and fucks the sexy Gremlin? I, I mean, come on. In. That's the that, that is the that is the trillion. That is the number three. Is exactly. this some someone has gone out and repopulated the world because they've had too much sex with the sexy gremlin.
1: Maybe it's Donald Clamp. I don't know. Uh but anyway, <laughs> I'm very, very happy. Uh they're doing a third one. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Even if it's not as successful as the first two, um, I think it's a great idea and uh the way they're approaching it, I think Mike is dead on. They give someplace to go if these guys are still losers instead of already saving the world at forty. When are they going to save this world? I'm curious. So, yeah, definitely a great idea.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, Gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, giving us your first two choices in the first half, and now I'm going to ask for two more. And, Brock, you're going to lead off the second half uh, with your third choice for the Mount Rushmore of trilogies.
1: Uh, This might be a little off the reservation for you guys, but I'm not really sure. Um, But uh, this is a trilogy that, again, didn't start off as a trilogy, but for some reason they were able to make Quite amazingly, the blueprint of what I think should be a movie trilogy out of a single movie. That if you're going to make a movie sequel and then a second sequel, where do you go? What do you explore? How do you take your characters and develop them and uh, to places where they haven't gone before, but yet stay true to the central theme of the original movie and have a satisfying conclusion uh, that will bring tears to your eyes? And even more remarkable about it is, um, they did those with characters made of plastic. My pick for number three is Toy Story. Toy Story 2. Oh, wow. Now, I understand there's a fourth movie, but that is completely out of the trilogy. My daughter at dinner said to me, but there are four movies. I'm like, yes, but there is the <laughs> Andy years because the first, second, and third movie are about Andy growing up. The theme of this is we are there for Andy when he grows up, and he has grown up, and he gives the toys away, and the, spoiler alert, he gives the toys away at the end of the <laughs> third movie. And um, as a parent, we would cry reading the storybook at the end of that movie uh, to our children, even though we, you know, we know what's coming. Um, they took Toy Story 2 was originally going to go to video. It was going to be a direct-to-video sequel, direct made by Disney. Not even Pixar really wasn't really involved. Pixar uh, decided to take a look at it, saw it, said no, we can't do that. They scrapped what they had, took a general idea, and they had a very limited time to get this movie out. And Toy Story 2. I loved more than Toy Story 1 for years. It's hysterically funny, but at the same time, it's heartbreaking with Jesse. And uh, they took, they added new characters that made sense to help Woody's character develop. They t- stayed true to Buzz Lightyear thinking he was a toy, but bringing the second Buzz Lightyear in. The third movie, you just talked about this before, how they, uh, Bill and Ted was a different kind of a movie from the first one. The third one is a, a, an escape from prison movie. All of a sudden they break, they break out of prison. And it's hysterical, but at the same time you have, and they have that Ken and Barbie thing with brand new characters that make sense. You bring in characters that make sense and they use all the characters they already had. They got rid of some of the dead weight and they use the characters they have in great ways. They use Potato Head. They find a way to use Slinky. They find a way to use all these characters. Maybe not as much as they did in the original movie, but everyone was there for a purpose, even though it still stayed true to Woody and Buzz. And at the end of that movie, when they're holding hands, ready to go, ready to die and they get saved and then the ending with Andy. I think there's no better way to end a trilogy than uh, a satisfying way that we can all associate. We all can feel for this guy giving away his toys. He's moving on, the toys are moving on. And we all have been there that, wouldn't we just like one more day? One more day with somebody that you love. It's amazing. I'm about to cry right now even talking about it. So uh, the Toy Story trilogy took something that was really fun and inventive. Not to mention, of course, they pioneered Computer animation, which which is the the animation world has never been the same since. And every single movie develops animation styles and 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 challenges and hits it out of the park. So technically speaking, storytelling is unequaled, and uh, the Toy Story trilogy has characters that have endured for 25 years and still going. So Toy Story definitely on my Mount Rushmore of film trilogies.
0: Yeah, uh, Richard and Michael, do you support that choice? What do you think?
3: I actually have not seen toy story four. And I think a big reason for that is because I think three is such a perfect ending to Mm. the trilogy and to the story that regardless of whether or not four may be a good movie on its own as a standalone movie, or even as part of continuing the story, I don't need to know it. It's great. We got such a perfect ending with three that I just, it it just feels super for us at this point.
2: Uh, number four, we watch it, literally watched it this morning. Felix was like, I want to watch Toy Story 4. You do what the kid says on a Sunday morning. And uh, you come to realize that these movies are all these middle-aged crisis movies for Woody. This is all this person that is – this character. It's not a buzz movie. It's not a friendship movie. It's not a um, kids movie. It's this movie about this middle-aged cowboy who's learning about his past he's learning about his potential future in toy story 4 it's him learning and dealing with issues of fatherhood richard you'd love it like the way that woody deals with forky who is an incredible character um it's and his understanding of himself as a 42 year old person or is going to be 42 it's like oh my god like these are these amazing self-evaluation movies of like in the first movie he's dealing with what it's like to be slightly older and the new younger person coming in and taking all of the chutzpah from himself you know he's this this hot rod buzz lightyear comes in and it's like holy shit this guy is cooler than me he's newer i'm gonna be loved more what happens next the next movie is about uh God, what happens when uh, I could find something new? And who do I stay true to? And the third movie is about staying true to that person that you're the only person that everyone else is ready to move on, but you're not ready. And like uh, these movies are perfectly written mm-hmm. uh, from stem to stern. Like yeah. uh, the Pixar really laid the grounds with how they do all these other movies. Because of the first Toy Story, it is it is so perfectly done. It pulls all the right heartstrings, and every movie does that at some point, you know.
0: I very it's much crazy. agree. But the uh, role that Woody and all the other toys play as uh, co-parents for this child Andy, and protecting him, nurturing him, uh, influencing him, uh, and and then at the end of three, as Brock eloquently stated, there's a moment where these parents get to uh, have a moment of truth. Did the child that they parent uh, ever appreciate what they did? Did he ever recognize that they were more than just inanimate material? And you see Andy have essentially a graduation ceremony for each of them when he passes Mm. them on to Bonnie, and it reveals he knows exactly who these toys are. He knows exactly that the role, it, it just for me, um, brought tears to my eyes for this movie. I I already thought three was superfluous because two was so amazing. But I will add, Richard, um, that as Michael eloquently stated, it's in a way about uh, this parent kind of outliving his duties to his child. But now he can address his duties to himself to go out and go on a journey and have a relationship and have some adventures and realize that he's more than just his role as a, um, ringleader, parent, protector, all those things. So, yeah, uh, I, 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 that, that fourth movie, I, it's the movie I didn't know I needed. And it also, it, you know what? It's got Keanu, right? There you go. <laughs> Duke, kaboom. <laughs> of course it's going to be great.
1: Hey, Richard. Hey, Richard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mike, Mike and Jeff, uh, saw a different movie than I did. Um, I enjoyed Toy Story 4. I thought it was good. I heard I saw all the themes they did. But what I saw was I only got to see a Woody movie. I didn't get a chance to see all my other friends. Mm-hmm. And um, they had a lot of new characters, some of which were only there for comedic relief. The new characters did not add the weight. Mm-hmm. Forky was the only one that carried weight in that movie. Duke Kaboom, very funny. A lot of fun. The Ducky and uh, Rabbit guy, very key, uh, key and peel, were hysterical in this movie. But... Overall, it's the first time a Toy Story movie felt like a sequel and Uh, unnecessary, where it is still a good movie. All the themes they talked about with Woody are great. Um, Woody donates a kidney. It's remarkable. Yeah, Um,
2: that's very uh, funny.
1: You have to, um, you should see it only because, but I think you are 100% correct. The trilogy ends where it needed to end. And the fact of what happens in this movie proves that I'm right, because this movie is not about the toys together it's only about Woody. And they're right. Everything they're talking about is right. But it does not necessarily have to be. If this is the first movie of a next trilogy, that's great. But there's no evidence of that
3: yet. Well, both my kids saw Toy Story 4, and they said it kind of sucks.
1: <laughs> so
3: I have to go with, off, with what they said. Go with your kids. I, I, all right.
2: I, I will add one, one. Uh, I guess, two last things on Toy Story. Um, one, if you watch the Toy Story shorts that are on Disney Plus, they are delightful, especially expanding on the Toy Story universe in terms of mm-hmm. bathtub toys and um,
1: Small Fry is hysterical.
2: Uh, small That's Fry, which which is so just great. the idea that that they are able to take this idea of what toys are and then turn it into um, things that are so commonplace, like fast food toys, and then bathtub toys on Porcupine Rex. Um, is it's just like, oh, they I, I didn't con- you don't consider what toys are until you realize who is playing with them and the concepts. Yeah. yeah, I agree. All right.
0: Uh, so lay it on us, uh, Richard, Michael, what is your third choice?
3: All right. So our third choice, I wanted to go with one that kind of shows that a trilogy doesn't necessarily have to follow one story for three movies. I think we oftentimes think of a trilogy as a story that's got a beginning, a middle, and an end, similar characters, or same characters kind of filtering through the movies, and I, that's not necessarily always the case. Uh, one example of something that I didn't choose would be the Dollars uh, trilogy, Fistful of Dollars, For a Few Dollars More, and Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, um, where the only character who really is, has a through line through them is the Clint Eastwood character the man with no name who actually has a name in each of the three movies, they just happen to be different. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of an example of one for me. The one that I chose to talk about is one that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, it is the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy. So, ah, okay. Um, the uh, movies directed by Edgar Wright, uh, co-written by him and Simon Pegg, and also starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Um, so if you're not familiar with them, I'll just let you know real quick. They are Shaun of the Dead, they are Hot Fuzz, and they're At World's End. And I, they, work, they work as a trilogy for a variety of reasons. One of them is that they're not necessarily genre spoofs, but they're kind of attempts to play around in the world of different genres, whether it's horror movie or buddy action cop movie or apocalyptic movie. Um, but they also have some themes that I think recur throughout those throughout the movies. One is obviously the theme of friendship and male friendship and kind of the positive and negative aspects of both. And I think on top of that, you know, it's all three movies kind of are a take on male to- toxic, toxic masculinity. <laughs> you know, whether it's Sean trying to go to his girlfriends because he has to be the one who's going to save her. Or whether it's in Hot Fuzz, whether it's, you know, Nick Angel being sort of the, so, so, so good at his job that he winds up getting fired, and Danny being the guy who thinks that he's just the coolest guy in the world because he shot people before, all that sort of thing. I, I think that there's a real undercurrent of that, and there's themes that you kind of, that recur throughout these movies. And I, I I got a chance to see all three of them back to back to back here at the Egyptian in Los Angeles, with Edgar Wright uh, being interviewed by Ryan Johnson before and after each movie.
0: Oh, that sounds which, great.
3: Which wow. was a, an amazing night slash slash morning because I didn't get out of there until about 3 a.m. But that was the, the these were things that kind of came up like like how how is this a trilogy and not just three movies that are loosely related, and I think there are themes throughout all three movies beyond just their genre movies that I think make it really interesting when you get a chance to watch all three of them kind of in a row and sort of see that. And obviously there's some gags that go through the movies, you know, the jumping over the fence uh, kind of comes back and there's a few other nice callbacks in some of the later movies to earlier stuff. But overall, I think it's, it's just a really good example of a trilogy that doesn't necessarily have to tell one story but can tell themes within different stories
0: that's a cool observation yeah what maketh the trilogy and sometimes those uh those things that we take away emotionally or thematically are more impactful or engaging than the plot itself um and i imagine if you were to say on any given film hey there's another rocky film oh what's the plot oh it's a rocky come on (laughs) right (laughs) <laughs> it's the character it's what do you think the plot is they they have he has a challenge then he punches his way out so um are you uh, ma michael are you also
2: a fan is or was this richard's pick solely it was richard's pick but i loved this choice when he suggested it just because um you know the 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 only thing that you know the the visual thing that connects him is the the cornetto uh ice cream wrapping and, you know, by the end of The World's End, you see it kind of flap along the gate, the, the chain link fence as it slowly drifts away as the world yeah. is descended into chaos. But um, the movies really are about just this friendship between like um, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. And there are such different types of friendships within each one. You know, one is very uh, dependent on the other. He can't, re- you know, in the first one, he can't really rely on uh, or Simon Pegg can't rely on Nick Frost as – you know, his roommate and just this, uh, constantly high, uh, you know, loafer in the second one, he's this guy that just admires. And the third one's this guy that just like is so sick of this guy's bullshit, but ultimately it's just, there's this wonderful love between them. And, um, you know, the third, the third movie, the world's end is such a wild rewatch. It's one of those movies that you have to watch, again and again and again and again and again and, and you see it and you see all the little things they've done within that movie to set it up to reference it is so it is so elegantly written and then it turns you know and then it's about <laughs> aliens and robots invading from space and you're just like it's wild it, yeah. it is a wild it is it's just, a ride it's fun it's a it's a it's a ride it's it's almost like you know, it's like the Return of the Jedi of the movies, where just all this crazy stuff happens. Like when you first introduced into Return of the Jedi, and you see like of the Hutt and his cavalcade of Muppets. ridiculous monsters <laughs> at the very <laughs> beginning of the movie, you're like, "What am I watching?" And then you get to the end of it, and these, you know, these little the Ewoks are destroying the Empire. And you're like, "What is this?" And this guy's shooting lightning. You don't know what's going on. And I think the World's End is just. Has that same sort of vibe where it's just it's crazy from the beginning, and then also that perfect Sunday song. Yeah, like it, it's just it, it is the perfect song to have in that movie, and I just uh, I just it's just a, a wonderful choice.
3: I think what, what you're I get, I think what you're getting. I hate, at, I, hate
2: like... I hate to I hate to pump up our own choices, but just like Richard Jeff's Kiss. aren't we just wonderful?
3: We're the best. Um, I think what you're getting at <laughs> is. I think what you're getting at is this feeling of kind of like when you get to the third movie of a trilogy and you know it's going to be a trilogy, you're kind of unloading the guns a little
2: bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Where it's just like every idea that you've got, let's let's get it all out there. Let's just oh, kind of I, I, go wild with it.
2: I'm going to say something awful. I remember in 2001 when Robert Smith said that Blood Flowers was the end of a trilogy between uh, pornography and disintegration – uh, for cure albums. And then blood flowers came out. And I remember being like, no, <laughs> I'm so disappointed that this is what you think is connected to these two other, two other seminal pieces of like Gothic art, art rock. And like, uh, I don't know. There's something that like just calling something a trilogy doesn't necessarily work, but I think, uh, the world's end really did put the cap on those three films.
0: I, I would say that, uh, the Cornetto trilogy does emotionally with uh, their characters and the common situations that they seem to find themselves in, uh, in a way that the SNL or Vince Vaughn, um, Owen Wilson films uh, seem to have done, in which they, like informally, uh, Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson or Vince Vaughn and um, Will Ferrell are seem like they've... All kind of been in the same movie over and over again. And if you just look at the poster and you see those characters together, you kind of go, "Yeah, I, it's it's essentially a sequel to to the thing that was before." And I wonder if um, the Cornetto trilogy might be extended in the minds of UK viewers who saw two seasons of a show called Space, which I've yeah. never seen. Yeah. yeah, would they see the uh, um, Shaun of the Dead as kind of an extension of that series uh, i've never seen space so i don't know
1: we actually watched we, we were taken by surprise one night my wife and i we watched Shaun of the dead and we're blown away we're not usually sit down and watch zombie films right
0: mm-hmm. but that
1: one just we thought it was hysterical and then we watched hot fuzz and it, we were like amazed so after watching those two we went out and rented Space from actually we got it from netflix back when they said discs um so we actually watched space because of that And really greatly enjoyed it. It's really fun. It still holds up pretty well, especially the first couple of, I think it's three seasons. I could be wrong. Um, But maybe it's only two, but the first season is stronger, I thought, overall. Um, The Cornetto trilogy is something that Now Playing has reviewed. We did review it as a trilogy for a lot of the reasons you guys uh, talked about. So I can completely understand why many people consider that a trilogy. To me um i i i make it to akin towards my, one of my favorite movies of all time is bush cast and the sundance kid and if you both probably know that the three of you probably already know that uh, they also made another movie called the sting oh yeah, you know, yeah. hey i mean newman redford and the director Right. Mm-hmm. so um in that in that mind those two movies go together they're not really you know they're a duology they didn't make a third one they couldn't find a script for years and they just didn't make one but the point is is that um that's what those three movies even though they have the cornetto link and all that kind of stuff that's the kind of trilogy they are um i also want to echo something richard said i did not also pick the man with no name trilogy because those three movies are individual movies he has three different names in all three movies even though he's the same character even though they go together they're not really a cohesive trilogy they're just in the same area same genre but those are more of a trilogy to me than the cornetto trilogy is even though my friends over at now playing believe exactly what you're saying and i can't argue with anything you said all three movies are extremely entertaining and and completely worth the revisits if you haven't seen them recently go check them out they're really funny
0: all right gentlemen uh this is the last time around uh brock is going to uh avail us with his fourth choice of the mount rushmore trilogies
1: Uh, this was really hard for me because uh the first three were so completely obvious and, um, I, I ran through a uh, trilogy after trilogy in my mind and I could not figure out for me, um, uh, was, was it going to be back to the future? Was it going to be the dollars? Was it going to be the Born trilogy? That one came up, um, even though there's five movies in it, the first three are together. They are the trilogy and there's afterthoughts, right? Mm-hmm. And the issue and why I'm not picking the Born, and maybe you guys are, and we can talk about it, but, um. I'm actually curious about other ones you guys thought about as well. Maybe we can do that quickly after we have time about other ones we didn't quite make the the Mount Rushmore and why. Um, But um, I went with something that was mentioned earlier only because it came, I was overthinking this like crazy. And I was like, I'm looking for excuses not to pick this. So I'm going to have to go with it. Um, But it's the Indiana Jones trilogy. And here is why. why. Um, Crystal Skull, I've heard of it. It has a guy named indiana jones but it's not an indiana jones movie and the last movie ends them going off in the sunset now the reason i was so on the fence about it was the first movie is absolutely amazing the third movie is pretty much a sequel to the first movie the second movie is a whole different thing with all different characters and indiana jones himself isn't the same exact guy now of course you could make the argument that it's a prequel and takes place with four raiders and therefore he has a character arc but there really is Um, Three movies in the serial um, feel uh, with uh, amazing set pieces, lots of fun of action, and these movies are so incredibly rewatchable, and uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is a movie that changed movie history, again, like Back to the Future did, like Toy Story did, like all the other choices we've talked about today, with the exception of the Cornetto trilogy, didn't really change movies forever, but it certainly is uh, a worthy inclusion, no doubt, so um, Indiana Jones is a trilogy that has endured the test of time. And the reason it made a fourth movie was so many people loved his first three. And those three movies are um, some of the most loved movies of all time. I, now, arguably, I think Temple of Doom has aged the worst of all three. And which mm-hmm. is why, and Temple of Doom is the reason I was on the fence about even including this. Um, but it's still a lot of fun and it's a little darker than I w- would want. And it's not the Indiana Jones movie, you know, uh, that we all thought we wanted but it certainly is uh, full of adventure and fun. Now, full disclosure, I've read almost every single Indiana Jones novel that's ever come out. I am a big fan of Indiana Jones. And I've watched those movies as close to as many times as I've watched Back to the Future and, and Star Wars. Um, but I think it w- if we're talking about a solid film trilogy, um, this one is right up there. And if it's, only, it's only four, right? So if we're doing a top 10, I can't imagine this wouldn't be everyone's top 10. But for me, it's in my top four. Last face on the Mount Rushmore is that of Henry Jones Jr.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Yeah, that's, uh, that's I thought those were going to be your first two, actually, uh, Brock. Yeah. There was something I was vibing off of. Maybe it was just kind of a whole Lucas, Lucas. Uh, thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I got to rewatch. It's funny. I, I think of uh, Temple of Doom as Spielberg's divorce film oh, yeah. and sure. darkness of it. And, and uh Luke, not,
1: lucas too lucas was going through a divorce with marcia right before that too
0: was he really i didn't yeah, I... why
1: he edited the first star wars movie and then he also got rid of gary kurtz which is why return of the jedi is more like the prequels than it is the other two because mm-hmm. he also got divorced from his producer gary kurtz
0: wow uh it's a double double divorce yeah uh but then you look back at you know, i just rewatched um uh indiana jones and there's some uh Let's just say there's some character aspects of uh, of Henry Jones that have have not stood the test of the Me Too movement or or there's certain things about the relationships that he chose to uh, have and things that, you know, I I don't don't damage the film, but uh, they do kind of reveal uh, the character growth that he needs to have. Yeah uh gentlemen i know you're fans of the indiana jones films what do you think about this choice
2: i love indiana jones i love i i even enjoyed so many aspects of crystal skull not that we're talking about it within this trilogy um really uh, the movie just uh crystal skull for me kind of took a nosedive when um uh
0: shia Shia walks on the screen
2: (laughs) mutt started um swinging along the vines with the other monkeys in the jungles of south america and at that point i was like i i love the idea that the next installment was a sci-fi movie and they dealt with aliens because that felt very 1950s to be honest like sci-fi aliens the future what's going on but the first three indiana jones movies the the original trilogy before they added on, you know, the fourth stepchild were just so wonderful. You know, the the father and son relationship was so well done in uh, uh, The Last Crusade. And it was something that you didn't realize that you were missing, that this guy that was like, he was so well put together. He was so confident. He was so you know, imbued with his own self-confidence. And then he's just so struck down just being around his dad. Yeah. He can't, he can't live up to it. He's, he's cowed. He's suddenly this guy that is punching Nazis and jumping off the submarines and, you know, destroying the ark is just, you know, mewed in front of this dad is just telling him to stand up straight. And he's just like, (laughs) it's so, it's such an interesting character aspect that really flushes him out as like, Oh, he's, He's a real living person that isn't just this bravado. This you know, he's already he's already unbelievable as incredibly handsome uh this adventurer who's tracking down you know, all these lost artifacts, who's also like as a brilliant school teacher. But then, you know, yeah, this fourth aspect of like he's got a shitty relationship <laughs> with his dad and has for like thirty five years.
0: Yeah. I, I can't even imagine um better casting. To good. Yeah. Uh, Who's Indiana Jones' dad? James Bond. That's that's who he is. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Who's going to think it's going to be Walter Matthau? You know what, what? I
1: would I would pay to see that actually, but yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Junior. Okay. Cool. Uh, uh, Richard and Michael. Uh, I won't say that you're uh, way the f behind, but you're behind right now. So this last choice uh, is going to have to be pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, I hate to tickle your balls, but obviously we're going to choose Batman. Oh my god!
0: <laughs>
2: okay. The Batman. Dark Knight, the Dark Knight trilogy. Oh. Not, okay. right. It's not, it's not Batman sixty six, and I assume Batman sixty seven and Batman sixty eight, which would have been incredible <laughs> films as well.
1: I was gonna say, uh, going to say Batman Forever when I'm like, I want to hear this. Okay,
2: go on. <laughs> no, the uh, the the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight films are just so well done. They're I think what there is so good about them is they are very really good individual movies but then they also tell a full story between all three of them they tell the story of you know bruce wayne who from the get-go almost wants to give up being batman he's looking for something else to get he's looking to get out of being batman even though he feels compelled to be batman and i think that is an aspect of the character of batman that really hasn't been talked about he is this guy that is so driven to pursue uh the end of criminality and the protection of his city and his revenge but i thought the interesting aspect was i think they introduced it in the second film was like someone else has to do this i can't do this forever so he sees uh harvey dent as this person that is gonna you know help fight crime and then he realizes that he's flawed and then eventually um the uh uh the the Robin character, the quasi Robin, the quasi new Batman character, is introduced in the third film, and it's like, oh, here's someone that can take on this mantle, and I can stop Batman yeah. wanting to stop. I think is such an interesting, like he's Batman wanting to rest. I think is an interesting uh, angle. But you know, The Dark Knight, the second film, is just so perfect. The casting is so perfect. The fighting and the way that they hampered Joker was so perfect. Bane, I thought, was so interesting even though he was so hard to understand i think that was <laughs> the only that was the real trouble was just the choice that he made as an actor and the way that he delivered the dialogue
0: you, you don't this, think a film can support two mumbling uh, action protagonists <laughs> <laughs> two unintelligible <laughs> characters you know they,
2: they handled they handled a very you know batman has always dealt with like these strange, supernatural, otherworld not otherworldly, but just, you know, very hard to believe characters. And I think that they really brought them down to a real world aesthetic for all of them, whether it was the Joker or Bane or um, even Catwoman um, in the third one, or Scarecrow, who just kind of this guy in a mask in a really shitty mask. It wasn't too elaborate. It was just shitty enough to be like, oh yeah, this guy made it himself.
0: I think I, Dolan- don't know. I I think Nolan succeeded in doing, bringing Batman back to his origins in a way that was, uh, something the audience didn't even know, might not even know that the origins of Batman was a detective. Was, uh, Mm. uh, not, so Batman kind of went on this arc, um, to being in the 60s, or Batman as depicted in films. There were two serials, then there's the television. Show which uh, kind of had a swinging, sexy Carnaby Street, almost Austin Powers type Batman, Um, and and then in the the Tim Robbins, I'm sorry, uh, Tim Burton, Tim (laughs) Robbins, Electric Kool Aid Batman. No, the the um, but when Batman becomes Bond in Christopher Nolan's films, it's a really interesting uh diversion for that franchise because it was so bond like at times while still keeping the dark night component
2: well the the um in in the dark night too it does that thing that all sequels have is that immediately the character is plucked out of their hometown and thrust into an international situation it happened in um the dark you know the dark night he goes to beijing and mm-hmm. has to track down the criminal and most importantly, it happens in Muppets Take Manhattan when they suddenly <laughs> go overseas and um,
3: – Oh, you mean Great, Mupp- to... great, great Muppet? I'm Caper. sorry,
2: The Great Muppet Keeper. Thank you, Richard. When they have to you know, solve the riddle of the baseball diamond.
1: Fabulous.
2: Another trilogy we should have talked about, Richard. Yeah, can't I can't believe I didn't think of that.
1: I thought of it, and um, it's, I chose not to choose that one, although um, I, I did very much enjoy your episode on the best Muppet uh, human character uh, cameos um okay. I, think, I think your dark knight chick uh this did come up in my mind as well um it's this very solid trilogy the third movie is a s- steep step down from the second one i've noticed most mm-hmm. of what you're talking about is the second movie and why this trilogy stands out the fir- i've watched these first two batman movies more times than i can count the third one I've watched yeah. once, once and and it's basically the plot is rocky three i mean i know chris <laughs> rock pointed that out uh right after I wrote it about my review on, on Letterboxd. If you want to check out Letterboxd, um, I wrote my review the weekend of, and then, then Monday, Chris Rocks said the same thing. It's it's really there. Um, Alfred's ending feels false to me, although Bruce Wayne's feels true. Everything you're saying about how he wants to be not, he wasn't Batman for eight years. So then he came to come back and he was under blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of great themes there. There's a lot of great things for him to do, but that one really felt uh, like a huge step down, which, uh, which would bring me to um so i congratulate you on your pick um i can't i can't really argue with it it's a really good trilogy but um that third movie is such a step down from the second one it's hard for me to want to consider it much like the godfather trilogy yeah first two movies
2: yeah yeah yeah. good point
1: exactly the same thing all of us did not pick the godfather trilogy the first two godfather movies won best picture the first two godfather movies people argue which one is better. The first two Godfather movies I've watched more times than I can possibly count. And I want to watch them again right now. That's how good yeah. they are. And that third one I've watched twice. Once when I saw it the first time and the second time when I got the DVD and I watched it with the commentary to see how Coppola kind of justified all this <laughs> stupid things right. So it, it to me, the, the dark, dark, Ri dark eye rises is a better movie than Godfather three, even though Godfather three is not as bad as they say. But to compare it to the other two, the Dark Knight rises doesn't, doesn't rise to the top for me, which is why I didn't pick. The Dark I think
2: Knight. I think it's too. It's so hard just to end anything. Anytime you're coming up with whatever is the end, it's so hard to do. It's always it, not easy. But putting a character in peril and amping up the stakes is, you know, okay. It's it's easy to put pressure. It's hard to find something that is such a satisfying resolution i think going back to star wars that's why the end of return of the jedi is so satisfying because he darth vader fucking picks up the emperor and tosses him over and then he says tell your sister you were right and it's just this huge catharsis and then of course the yub Nub song but like
1: but everything you're saying right now is why i picked my four choices yeah all four well, of my four choices hmm. the third movie stuck the landing and gotcha. Huge for me because when I was, I told you I thought about this way too much for my fourth pick. What movie sticks the landing? And even though, um, and they and he rides off into the sunset with his father, his best friend, and for some reason Denholm Elliott. So they're <laughs> going off into the sunset, and and that is a great ending to this man's story. And all the other picks I've already talked about how they stuck the landing. Whereas Dark Knight Rises, the ending is satisfying, but to get there. For that 200 and f- two hundred two two hundred for the two hours and forty five minutes to get to that satisfying ending, a lot of it was rough, mm. but mm-hmm. it was a sat- more satisfying ending than that movie led me to believe while watching the first ninety minutes and two hours of that movie.
0: You know, what's funny about uh, oh. uh, Dark Knight, uh, the Nolan Batman trilogy is out in the meme verse. You don't see Christian Bale, you see Heath Ledger. Uh, he he is the, one of the more enduring aspects of that film. at least in the fabric of visual internet or social media stuff. Um, So some of your discussion is about uh, Bruce Wayne's journey and uh, his evolution throughout the films. And I think when we're judging what a good trilogy is, Brock had kind of mentioned, does it stick the landing? And then in the middle piece, is it just set up for the third film And in, um, the one of the films, Back to the Future, I, I believe too. You said uh, one of your perceived flaws was that the second film is just kind of moving people in. It's like a pool player trying to set up all these shots for their next turn, and he's not sinking anything. So that's, I think, a compelling description of how three act storytelling um, and how it exists in the macro and the micro in trilogies and and whether it's satisfactory does it stick the landing at the end and reward reward the viewer uh michael said endings are tough and i couldn't agree more because it's my job to end this thing um but uh and in a way that's satisfactory to the people who've been on this uh 90 minute journey with us and we appreciate brock from the now playing uh podcast for going on this journey with us and coming at it with so many good choices and we appreciate it so much uh that uh He's going to win by a landslide, and it's not just because uh, we value his time and want to make it worth it with the big trophy, the golden trophy that will be shipped to his address, a uh, PO Box, uh, or whatever you sent to us.
3: Sure. But, we're going we're to fax it over to you. We'll <laughs> fax it, yeah. Oh,
0: you don't have a fax? Ah, no trophy. Destroy, uh, you are fired! <laughs> back, to the, back to the
1: future. To reference. Go on,
0: please. Yeah. <laughs> some points will be handed to uh, Michael and Richard because they also chose Lord of the Rings trilogy. So Lord of the Rings trilogy is going up on the Mount Rushmore of trilogies, and so uh, they will be ascribed some points for choosing that. But um, from that point on, Brock gets the rest. Uh, the Star Wars trilogy, and I love the argument about how that. Changed film forever, not only from a technological standpoint, but uh, from a kind of a marketing and all the things that surround it. Um, and then uh, I loved your arguments surrounding the Toy Story trilogy, uh, and I do appreciate how you really embraced the uh, uh, make it your own approach to this uh, to this topic by choosing your trilogy of. Out of four movies, <laughs> the first three, which you also did with the Indiana Jones trilogy, which is going out on the Mount Rushmore. So, uh, Brock has the winning choices Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Toy Story, and Indiana Jones trilogy. So a big collective woohoo for Brock, uh, from the, um, now playing podcast. Uh, Brock, before we depart, uh, our listeners' ears, what is Venganza Media? Did Venganza I say that
1: again? Yeah, it's the, um, it's the overall company that encom- uh, encompasses all of the Van uh, Venganza Media podcasts, which include Now Playing Podcast, the Star Wars Action News, the first and best Star Wars collectors podcast. It's all about collecting Star Wars toys, statues, books, et cetera. We also have Marvelicious Toys, which you mentioned earlier also in the podcast, which is all about collecting Marvel toys and Marvel statues and Marvel collectibles. And Books and Nachos, which is our uh, book review podcast, often linked to uh, the movies we're watching. For example, um, uh, we did James Bond many years ago when uh, when uh, Skyfall came out. We did the, all 25 of the movies at the time. And we've gone back, of course, and did uh, Spectre. But we read the original Ian Fleming novels back then, which Books and Nachos. And Arnie is reading all the Stephen King novels as they do their Stephen King retrospective, for example. So uh, nice. it, it ties in. It's really kind of fun um, to do it that way. And, uh, go to now uh, books and nachos is spelled out books and for the book reviews there. I do book reviews of star Wars on star Wars action news. That's, um, one of my main gigs. And I've been doing that since 2007 over there. So, um, th- that's Vinganza media is the corporation that encompasses all of that. And you can go to Vinganza media uh, gazette, which has, is the, uh, overall, um, uh, kind of like a blog of, of our podcasts uh there of course all of our sites have individual uh, all of our podcasts have individual sites and individual feeds on iTunes and mm-hmm. where you get your podcasts so uh, thank you for asking but that's what dingons media is oh cool not uh by Arnie and Marjorie Carvalho I should mention them because they are the producers and founders of all of these podcasts and without them we would not exist so thank you to Arnie and Marjorie and um Arnie Carvalho is the is the brains behind uh most of what we do and Marjorie oh I actually said Marjorie is probably the brains. They're both the brains behind <laughs> I don't really know who has more brains in there but they a lot to make these shows go. So I almost put my foot in my mouth there but uh there you go. We
0: we thank the Carvalos and uh thank you guys for uh being some of the first people in this space uh in the podcast space. So that's really cool. And want to congratulate you guys on 1000 episodes. That's pretty amazing. Uh we thought we are the silverback uh, gorillas for having 250 or whatever we have. So that's pretty outstanding. Um, uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, hanging out with us. Uh, this has been the Mount Rushmore podcast discussing the Mount Rushmore trilogies. I, as always, am Jeff.
2: I'm Richard.
3: And Michael.